What's up guys? My name is Nikhil and I'm here with my buddy Jay. Welcome to the second episode of Gourmet Gluttons, a podcast about food. What's up Jay? How are you doing today? Pretty well man. Thanks so much for having me here. Like it's not <laughs> like you have another option. But uh I'm glad I'm back. Uh I know this is supposed to be a weekly podcast but I'm so sorry I was away. Yeah, you and were. I am back now with a lot of insight about food which I'd love to share with you tonight. Um and yeah just take it from that. Yeah. So, just a little bit of a background for people listening. Uh Jay and some of our team members at Open Platter went to Gulf Food which is a massive food convention that's dedicated solely and entirely to good food. That's right. Jay, do you want to you know expand a little bit on what Gulf Food is? Sure man. So Gulf Food basically has been taking place in Dubai for quite a while now. This was the 27th edition of the Gulf Food and it's basically the biggest, baddest, most cool convention for food and beverages there is in the world. Yep. It's where east meets west, it's where all of future food innovations are coming on the center stage and they've been giving their, you know, due credit, due attention uh to come and speak about, you know, what the future is and mm-hmm. it is absolutely fantastic to see. That's and that's awesome. I mean 27 years it sounds like a lot of the history has already been been written at right. Gulf Food, right? right. I I feel like it's like a very trend setting sort of an event for where food is about to go. Most definitely and even like let's just talk real quick about the geopolitical location of it, okay. right? It's being it's happening in Dubai for the quite quite a few years. It's basically the hub for business into Southeast Asia or the MENA region which is basically mm-hmm. Middle East and Africa. Right. Uh it's a test market for a lot of those countries and uh, so it's basically a gateway for like you know everyone to come meet and talk about food. Yeah. And uh when you think about it and think about it consistently of like doing it for years and years uh you understand that it's a key part of business for a lot of companies right. around the world. Right. And you know some of the stats that I'll uh, give you guys that yeah. just show those numbers like yep. it's it's crazy. Yep. the scale of the global food industry and yeah. uh, being a small humble part of that and mm-hmm. you know doing your bit is just wonderful yeah so yeah feel like the opportunities over there you know like even if you don't have a food business and you go there you know it it sort of stimulates your brain as to what the possibilities could be you know Most definitely. and then those ideas start flowing and i feel like for us to be an existing business mm-hmm. or people that already enjoy food mm-hmm. to be surrounded by like minded people in a place like this Uh, I feel like that's an amazing opportunity that you had, and I can't honestly wait to hear a little bit more about it. Fantastic! So let's get right to it. Um, so as I was saying, right, that Gulf Food is for anybody who has interest in food. Mm-hmm. It's like I mean, it's great for businesses because business happens there. But let's say you're just uh, one of we like you know a food influencer maybe, and you want to know what happens. Like, right. uh, you guys are a lot very very passionate about food. This year was in fact dedicated to e-commerce and online businesses for food. So. Uh, the digital transformation that comes along with these people uh, is a large part of the convention right. the entire day was dedicated to social media influencers to talk about food specifically and how they've grown that business completely on a digital scale and how businesses are leveraging these things yeah. uh, you know to basically have an impact on what they sell what can be consumed and educating the consumer of what there is mm-hmm. you have to understand there wasn't an opportunity like this 20 years ago you can't take the whole paper out as an ad you know and right. be like hey this is why my product is great this is what happens this is where i source it from yada 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 right. you know you don't get to do it yeah. and so uh, talking about a lot of those things or as a chef you know there's five whole days nikhil yeah. over a 100 different chefs showing thousand of their newest recipes 
uh, all day, all night. That so sounds like a dream. To for someone who wants inspiration, yeah. for someone who wants to just go and see what's happening, yeah. you want to go and network with some of these yeah. chefs, right? Yeah. All of that is possible. Uh, so that's that's basically one of the most unique features that yeah. Gulf Food is basically segregated into like eight main business areas. Mm-hmm. Meat and poultry is one of them. Okay. Dairy is one of them. Fats and oils is one of them. Beverages is one of them. Uh, top table, which is basically the chef's area, is Got one it. of them. Then there's something called as world food, which uh-huh. is basically like the main center attraction. It's basically about like 10 or 12 halls big. I, I There is no way to what? tell you... The what? size of this thing. Oh my god. So 10 to 12 just for the main thing. Yeah. And then surrounding so it. There's a total of 27 one. different halls. That oh my is there. god. Uh, Does it happen in one convention center? Or yes. Is it, okay. It's called the World Trade Center in okay. Dubai. Okay. And it hosts. So they, they, they host 24 exhibitions a year. That's it. Oh my god. I mean, but when you think about it, any of these exhibitions are three to five days. Yeah. And, and they're the say, best of the best. Right. Family, and right? if you yeah. say 24, they basically doing two of these a month. Yeah. And so basically they're the hub. Yeah. For all kinds of business coming to right. Dubai and right. all of GCC, right. where they host an event every 15 days, man. Yeah. The auto convention, the oh, food yeah. convention, I, I the future like, farming convention. Yes. Everything happens there. It's wonderful. Yeah. Dubai, I mean, just you think of Dubai and you think like technology, you know, not right. just. And food technology is now becoming an absolutely real thing and it's what's going to drive humanity forward you know food mm-hmm. technology mm-hmm. is absolutely important maybe energy is, a, is another one but food right. technology is absolutely important and for the new people in the industry to have a stage like this to exhibit their technology their learnings and etc etc you know it's, i think it's a great platform yeah most definitely i mean uh, the reason food is important is because uh, the, the serious question all of us face right now is how are we going to be feeding 10 billion people in a matter of, you know, 20 years. We're going to be there in 20 years, man. Yeah, exactly. We've crossed 2020. We're in 2022 today. So we have to feed 10 billion in the world and how are we going to do that? And, uh, you know, profound questions such as these are up for debate at Gulf Food. Right. And if you get the opportunity to just go here, like, you know, listen, Mm -hmm. that's knowledge for anybody, you know. You don't have to be a food industry person for that. Yeah, you're seeing seeing both sides of the coin, most probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let me just finish my point. Sorry, so, I'm sorry. No, no, you're fine. Uh, we had uh, the eight different parts of Gulf food, right? right. So the main part is just world food. Is basically every single country in the on the globe yeah. is there wow. with their own pavilions where there's different businesses showcasing all of their like you know innovations or ingredients or businesses. And it's just wonderful to be able to, as a lover of food, to be mm-hmm. able to walk through 200 countries of, yeah. you know, what different cuisines are and finding such unique ingredients that you haven't seen. And uh, the possibilities are just unlocked in a matter of five days. Right. right. For so, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's wonderful that, you know, you have these different categories and you can do businesses mm-hmm. in those specific areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, man, it's where business happens. That's awesome. What would you say? Okay, so let's come to world food, right? So yeah. what, what, what would you say were the three weirdest ingredients or products? Let's hmm. say products, ingredients, brands, hmm. even hmm. like on a larger scale. What were the top three that you saw at world food solely? Right. So a lot of people have been asking me this, right? Yeah. Like what is your top 10, yeah. 15? Right. Right. And I really can't name like a top, but I can say the top three things that influenced my thinking, mm-hmm. right? What changed me in many yeah. ways. I'll give you one product. There yeah. was... I think we were going through the part of Poland. Okay. And over there, we found this ingredient called the uh, sweet sweetie drop chili peppers. Yeah, I saw those. Right? Yeah. You you had a yeah. chance to eat yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. And if you guys like, we'll, we'll bring it soon for you. Yes. You know, we'll, we'll ensure that. But 
um, it's basically a pepper yeah. which is sweet yeah and it looks like a like an animated chili i don't yep. even know how to explain it but yeah, exactly. it looks like a drop a drop uh, very much um and just a wonderful product like i was yep. just like wow and i wanted to taste it yep. and then they had like jams and pickles and all of that made yep. with that and it's just one of the most wonderful ingredients i've seen because it was just like what yeah. and it's non gmo yes yeah this is something that is naturally available grow exactly it's not something that's modified in yeah. poland right yeah i wow i actually had the fortune of actually tasting those peppers yeah. you know and the flavor was like astonishing to me because yeah. I'm, I know my my brain knows I'm eating a chili. Right. And when I eat it, I'm like, wow, that tastes like a tomato. And oh, there's the chili note. Yeah. And it tastes like a, a bit like a bell pepper, which right. makes sense. But a very mild version of it. Wow, that experience was really nice. And this is a one in a brine, right? Yeah. Do they have like fresher ones? They uh, didn't have fresh ones. But, but in Poland, Poland yeah, did yeah, they get yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's it's, awesome. It's something that goes in the back of the house. And then I'm just like, I guess you guys live in a magical world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Earth is a magical place. It man. is. Some it is. Crazy, crazy stuff out there. Yeah, so that was one of those, you know, things that I saw. I was like, wow, like, you know, it made me realize, like, you know, and I had multiple experiences like that, but you've heard of it. Like, I, I had, like, insane things with lupin beans. Right. It's a very famous ingredient, but it's yep. not available in India at all right yep. now if you yep. try and find it. Yep. Uh, but I got to taste those. Those are very, very interesting. It's a very exciting product overall. And hundreds of such things, right? Uh, one, just a cool, quick thing. I didn't know this, but there was a, so there was an exporter based out of India, mm-hmm. uh, who specializes in basmati rice and you know what their flex was so they had a they had basically like a 400 square foot long stall right and that's long they had like more than eight or ten different meeting tables in that stall but the entire thing like the entire like the distance of the stall like the main table was covered in 27 different grades it was 27 different grades of basmati and I couldn't believe it. You have to be kidding me. I did not even know Basmati. I mean, makes sense that it would get graded, but 27 different yes. grades. And That's they had insane. it up and they had it graded, you know, in their systems. And you could see the difference. Wow. In the grain itself, had they like in cooked the, it and they were sampling like no, different that, grades? No, that's, like that's the most... So they had the, the top A quality, which was, right. that, which was just yeah. wow. But like, uh, I wish, man. Yeah, I wish they would do that, yeah. right? But like, even you know that if we, if we brought down 27 samples of the same thing and asked any one of us to like test it and be like, which one's good, we'd be like, hell nah, whichever one looks nice <laughs> yeah, and exactly. like, you know, has uh, the right documentation yes, to go with it. Right, right, exactly. I mean, to, to give a little bit of a background, like tasting things when you have a little bit of a bias in your head, right? It's, yeah. it's extremely, it's extremely difficult. difficult. Yeah. Right. It, as soon as you know a one bit of information regarding something, your brain con- like right away it starts making connections as to mm-hmm. where have I heard this before, seen this before, what am I going to try? It tries mm-hmm. to predict what it's going to be mm-hmm. like, and that totally influences your decision. So blind taste blind taste testing is probably better yeah. than people giving you information that this is grade yeah. A, this is grade fifty. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's very different that way. Most yeah. definitely, yeah. But I think that that's that's very fine that you say it. But you know, sensory evaluation when we guys do it in the industry, uh, it's usually always done blind. Not like we have like uh, covers on our head, but we uh-huh. never know what we're going to be tasting, whose sample it is, or any of that information. And whenever we're doing it in beverages, like when I was at Abbott, yeah, we basically in a room where there was a red light only. Right. Because what that does, it blocks out all other colors right so you can't tell if the beverage you're drinking is a chocolate beverage or a vanilla beverage or like a berry beverage yeah right that takes it on a different level yeah Yeah. so we're not blindfolded but the whole room is in a different color so you can't really tell yeah what it is and that influences 
like you know getting the best decision out of people yeah and uh then you know working by data and that's how the food industry works in many parts of the world and it's lovely yeah i feel like dubai is the only place that a, a thing like this could be pulled off you know the amount of space that they have the yeah. amount of technology that they yeah. have and the love for good cuisine that they have over there in dubai uh, you just gave me this fun piece of trivia that the mm-hmm. most uh, number of world's 50 best restaurants are in dubai yeah and that is an astonishing fact because i would think it would be like paris or italy or even the united states yeah. maybe but most dubai in, yeah like in yeah. asia the most number of world's oh in asia yeah. okay yeah, yeah, yeah. still a, a, yeah. a big achievement because i would think yeah. like if you th- yeah exactly if you think about dubai it's like a city that was formed yesterday when right. in terms of humanity like not yeah. even yesterday last minute you know they yeah. didn't have it yeah. for that long and they were just like we're going to plan the yeah. hell out of this and it's wonderful what they've done yeah. it's wonderful what they've it's done crazy. Really. yeah i i know i follow this chef called uh, gregoire burger mm. in oceano so in the atlantic you know the the it's a crazy ship building this hotel it's right in the sea atlantis atlantis that atlantis. atlantis makes sense it would be atlantis uh, but this restaurant is in the sea basically so like they have like a huge well it feels like you're in the sea but they have a huge aquarium where like a 50 foot wall is at there has an aquarium behind it is it the aquarium or is it the sea i think it's the aquarium i don't think you could do it with the sea yeah that would be crazy right? yeah pressure is something exactly else. exactly but it feels like you're in the sea but you're like in the sea actually as well because it's in the atlantis and the whole experience is you're eating and there's like fish going all around you and it's an absolutely amazing experience i've only seen it in social and the chef over there is also absolutely mind boggling he's super into molecular gastronomy mm-hmm. and manipulation of ingredients to you know give it a different uh, temperature and texture so uh, that is really fascinating to me so it mm-hmm. makes sense dubai would be the place to be do yeah. you have some good food over there in dubai as well i had some insanely good food i did not dine in any of the world's best restaurants uh-huh. but uh I would say culturally yes. yes I did dine in some of the world's best restaurants. So like I said, you know, um it's it's aptly put like you know Dubai is the hub for all of GCC which is basically the Gulf convention countries yep. uh, all of the surrounding Middle Eastern countries that there are there and it's the hub for that, right? And so what that allows you to do is by just staying in Dubai I could eat Syrian food, Turkish food, Arabic food, you know, yeah. food from Saudi Arabia was a food from UAE, right? Uh from Lebanon, from Palestine uh-huh. and um just i am so thankful that i got to do that because what i basically did was i was there for 7 days yeah and all 7 days i've had the same seven dishes yeah right that's that's a great way to sort of judge across the board yeah. and also see how each preparation is done differently in a yeah, different country yeah i right? i thought i'd get bored by day 3 yeah. because in the morning i was eating dosa for breakfast but i was right like yes. next to dosa job yeah. and like that's how dubai is like dude dosa in dubai is lit good. It's, so it's so good, good. it's so good dosa in dubai yeah but that's what i had in the morning and i thought like you know at night i need a change on day 2 i couldn't eat dosa but on day 3 4 5 all i wanted were these seven things and they basically fatoush mm-hmm. which is basically like a arabic salad salad yeah right? parsley parsley heavy right there's a lot of parsley in there it's lettuce heavy it's mint heavy it's oh, it's, it's pyment it's tabbouleh not... tabbouleh is parsley yeah tabbouleh is yeah, parsley yeah. heavy yeah, yeah. um uh, so it's mint heavy so it's pyment not the regular Ooh. mint and so that yeah. that punch of a pyment is just so wonderful that's awesome yeah uh, and then some croutons and like you know stuff like that and, and then raw great. vegetables and raw like dressing yeah and just just tomato radish and cucumber okay. now that's it hmm. it's very limited pomegranate seeds pomegranate molasses yes. olive oil oh that Suma. sounds so good that's it that's it it's, that's all you need to know yeah, what yeah. is and and it was lovely and then hummus yeah. uh, i had falafel 
uh, I had like a mana quiche, which is basically like it's not a pizza. It's kind of a paratha, but it's more like a pizza base. Mm-hmm. And then it is just just covered. So we would think that it is seasoned with zaatar. No, it is covered. Every yeah. cent, every small inch that you can't see the bread. Yeah, all you see is zaatar on top of that. And my it is wonderful. Watering, listening to that because zaatar is absolutely one of my favorite like. seasonings but it's not supposed to be used as seasoning you're supposed to overload your bread with yeah. it so with each bite you get enough zaatar to have good yeah. flavor yeah and like so i had zaatar from all these seven different countries and i had pita from all these seven different yeah. countries and falafel yeah. all of them and they were all different and uh, oh man do you the, think we're going to get hate for not calling it zaatar zaatar what is it how are they pronouncing it zaatar because it's zaatar <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, right? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was cool. Yeah, it was, uh, and you know, they pronounce it differently in different, different restaurants, places, man. Yes, because they have their own like the right. local languages. Right, right, right. right. Uh, but it was great, man. It was, it was so wonderful being there uh, and tasting all of this. Yep. Uh, you know, seven days in a row, and uh, fool was the other thing that I right. talked about. We so, fool, guys, for those of you who don't know, is basically like the Arabic version of ragda. Right, you full, know, full madamas, full madamas, 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 madamas. You become a full ass. No, I, I, I had way. to. <laughs> I had to. Like it was, it felt so nice. I, I've got a few other ingredients in Arabic which I'll tell you, but uh, it was just so like nice. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yeah, full madamas is basically like a ragda, right? Where instead of chickpeas, mm-hmm. it's made with fava beans. Okay. Uh, instead of water, there's a lot of olive oil. It's olive oil heavy, and then there's just some salt and sumac. That's it. and that's what a full madamas in its true form is hmm. and then you get we you know with the with the tomatoes and uh, chilies you get some with meat you get some which is like just full like this is the whole bean knotted mashed down and all right. of that and i got different versions of that's it crazy. right and it was crazy to be able to eat such food uh, and dude i have to tell you they are the best at hospitality they wouldn't let me eat my tea without something to Eat. like it's on the house hmm. if i order just tea or coffee hmm. that's just not okay for them like right. they, they'll give me dates right. they'll give me two cookies really? or something or the other wow. yeah, it never comes with it it's not on the menu yeah. uh, but they'll ensure that so if i got three cups that they'll give me three of those so that you know everyone has something to eat with their drink that that's is amazing. important that is and amazing. you cannot eat cold pita they would take away a cold pita from my hand man like they were like no only hot and fresh pita and that wow. was good hospitality and hospitality finest yeah and that's just normal yeah that's just normal yeah so that that's how it was that's that's crazy i like having these experiences when you travel they're like the most like my most memorable yeah uh visits to any country have been in and around food yeah. you know it's so easy to have like a culture shock when you visit any country you know or any a different place as well like i was i went to meghalaya a few months ago and i had one of these moments where i'm like wow that's an absolute culture shock for me you know and why because there were streets lined with like full ass like uh, butcher shops with halves of cow and a head a head of pig etc etc hanging and i was like wow it's so open up here and like nothing against anybody like i i was fascinated by it and as i ate a little bit more in meghalaya i found out mm-hmm. that meat because it's a good protein source it's a easy protein source um it's used very very heavily in their cuisine you know they eat it from breakfast to lunch to dinner wow. there was this one dish called doke uh, which is a pig face salad basically okay. yeah so pig face is very fatty very collagen heavy right uh, we used in culinary school uh, it's a very classic french technique uh, called head cheese uh, uh, head cheese so what it is is basically you're using you're cooking a whole head of a pig 
and then you're picking apart the different parts because you want to keep the different textures in the meat in the head meat differently and then you big and then you sort of build it into like a terrine or a sausage sort of a deal so the collagen from the pig's head to the ears to the cheek which is the best most prized part the eyes are not used eyes you have to throw out but like if you think about like a facial structure i use all those little tiny muscles mm-hmm. from the face and you make like a sausage of it so it's sort of like a head to tail is it like a minced sausage no though? no it when you cut it open it's so fascinating to watch when you cut it open into like a slice right is these little chunks of meat that are held together with collagen so i don't know if you can imagine it's like brownish color collagen right it's a little bit translucent and which is basically the skin you know no collagen is like the gelatin or mm. so collagen is part of meat mm. or like any meat will have collagen in it right. and breaks down into gelatin right. so the two things they're called uh, i i forget what they call but they're fibers basically mm. one breaks down which is collagen breaks down into gelatin and one is elastin which is also called silver skin which chefs you normally take out because mm. they're chewy and they don't dissolve or mm. they don't uh, render into gelatin or anything like that mm. so in collagen is naturally occurring fiber in meat that breaks down into gelatin so it's able to set up really really well got it that's what's used to make this head cheese so think about it you'll have these little cubes of the meat that you've picked apart from the head you'll lay it all together in a in a sort of a compressed uh, container you know you'll place it and then you'll pour liquid collagen on it which you've gotten from the stock uh, and it all sets together like this so when you slice it a very thin slice it's like a square a little strand uh, and the ear you will see but they're all like put together in a cross section of it basically. yes a cross section i don't know if i'm doing a very good job of sort of picturizing what it is but if you guys really want to look it up it's head cheese uh, very very classic charcuterie french technique I, I i don't know how to like put it into words i guess but if you look at it i i'm just going to google it uh, but yeah i was pretty crazy it's like a head to tail sort of a deal that the french used to do but in meghalaya this pig face is rendered down it's cooked in a stock and it becomes absolutely tender they break it up they break it up completely into little chunks and they marinate it with just onion salt and pepper and it's eaten cold so think so whatever gelatin slash collagen is in that pig face once it gets cold it sort of solidifies so it binds it all together so it's a delicious like tasting and texture of it is very nice cuz soft meat that you go into but then the fat becomes all creamy and then the collagen becomes all very creamy wow, so it's really delicious yeah yeah and they figure it out i mean uh, i ate it on a thing their breakfast called jado which is like a turmeric and ginger spice excuse me uh, ginger spice bread hmm. Oh my god not bread rice hmm. it's like a plate of rice and then on the street they have these little pots with these different little curries and then on the side is a pork salad and there hmm. are different pickles and stuff like that hmm. you go in and you get to choose two to three different toppings for your rice and that's your breakfast it's a meat heavy breakfast so like once you eat that you probably are not going to be hungry until how many times a day did you eat in meghalaya i i am a fatty so i ate a lot but the locals over there they would eat jado and yeah. they would eat dinner directly like that's how heavy it is as well Damn. yeah i'm a fatty like, i will try everything like in jado they usually get 2 to 3 i got like 6 toppings and the guy was like are you sure i will charge you extra for this i'm like yeah charge me extra for this yeah i need <laughs> it in my life yeah it was it was it was a great experience meghalaya as a place is 
absolutely I have gorgeous. To, sorry, but I'm gonna stop. Please. So I saw your Instagram when you were traveling, yeah, right? Yeah. And there was a picture that you put up where the water yes was just clear. Yes. And you were on a you were on a boat or were you on the shore? Yeah, for we were on a boat. So this is known as the Docky River. Yeah. It's crystal clear water in a river. Like you're in the boat, you look down and you can see the rocks all the way at the. Guys, bank. it is clear. Clear as fuck. Like yeah, there is nothing. Yeah. Is is how clear it's, it was. It's gorgeous. And my question to you following mm-hmm. that was. If I just wanted to jump yeah. at that point yeah. in the water, is yeah. it acceptable or am I just being like, weirdo? Yeah, it is acceptable. I did. I'm going. I jumped off a twenty foot cliff over there, man. Oh, you it told was, me. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, it's a thing that they do, like part of adventure sports mm. or whatever. But you basically like boat into the river and you see it a little bit. You know, you walk around, not walk around. You sit in the boat and you look at the river and then you stop at one point where there's a straight cliff mm. and they like go jump off of it. So we did like a a beginner level one, which was five feet. And then the twenty feet one, it took me like five minutes to muster up the courage to sort of go in. Really? But yeah, I did it. It's a it's a memory that I will never forget. That's great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not trying to flex here, but I had like okay, I wasn't jumping in the water, but I was doing bungee jumping Ooh. in the highest spot in uh, the world there is, which is in South Africa. Wow! Right? And it's basically on like a cantilever bridge, so okay. the bridge is above you. Right. Uh, and we are on like the and it's cantilever basically is between two mountains, so there's only like a U going. Like you know, uh, on the bottom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I am at the tip of the U, and I'm yeah. jumping just like down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got wow. the opportunity to do that. Wow. And I have a video. Like I was, I don't know, 15, but I am here dancing to Pitbull. Is what is going on on that bridge? Okay. And I just go and die. And everyone's just like, what? Like, did he just do that? And I love that, man. So like, if I like, if you have the opportunity again to jump from any corner, just trust me. Go for it. Yeah, I mean that's different flex. You can flex. I I I don't know. Like when I was up I there, I did it in like three seconds of exactly. them dying by land. Like I go like yeah, go. Wow, man, that's crazy. I could not. So there was another factor to it that it was like a very straight edge, and I could see like a gorge inside of the water. <laughs> That's a that's, yeah. that's like a bad yeah. thing about yeah. the clear waters. I could see the gorge. Uh-huh. I'm like, what if I don't jump far enough? I'm gonna hit the gorge and die. What did the guy say? He was like, no, no, jump far, jump <laughs> far. I'm like, yes, I know I have to jump far. Thank you for the professional <laughs> advice. No technique to it. No technique. We just like just get some good grip and don't run, but just jump. I'm like, okay, yes, okay. I'm gonna do that. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but uh-huh. Meghalaya was absolutely, absolutely great. Uh, yeah. Dubai. Uh, I mean, that sounds like one of probably the best experience you probably have ever had in your life, right? Yeah. So since you went meet heavy, I wanted to tell you something, which was like the third point I was making, right? Mm-hmm. Which was, uh, what did I love about uh, girl food? And um, the third thing was that I, so it was the coolest thing, right? In the meat hall. Yeah. So what about the meat hall? There were meat alternatives. Oh. Not one, not two, but like 14 different ones. In the dairy hall. Yeah. There were dairy alternative players. Wow. And then in world food, there were those two. And it was like the time is here. People yeah. are doing it. There were two entire days dedicated to just plant-based food okay. at the convention with the chefs. Uh-huh. And it was just wonderful, right? To see that uh, plant-based meat and plant-based dairy are taking center stage. And there's just so many solutions available. Yeah. So many. Like every small flavor house is making all sorts of things. Like we went in France and we found all of the vegan uh like you know vegan bouillons right like from beef to like ham whatever you name it you have that and then we went to uh, pakistan and they had vegan biryani there for export and it was just that over and over and 
and it was just wonderful to see so you've been you've been researching because you're developing this product for us at urban platter as well you've been researching plant based meat quite a bit right and i also have done a little bit of my research but i'm also not very clear as to how it's made i do know that there is a way to make it in like a test tube which mm-hmm. is a way to do it mm-hmm. and there's also a way to use plants right, right. so can you dive a little bit deep into sure. how, how what the process behind that yeah, is yeah so so it's basically uh, the it, you can break it down into uh, three different things technically okay. right one is using whole plants mm-hmm. to mimic something like meat okay. that is saying a portobello mushroom if braised enough and served in a certain way can replicate a steak yeah or an oyster mushroom can replicate chicken right that is saying that you know using just whole plants to yeah. replicate meat prepare, treating them as meat and using them right then there is another version which is called plant based meat hmm. where where you know both of them are plant based guys but this uses plant based ingredients so i'll i'll make i'll make like chunks of chicken like you know feeling things mm-hmm. but with soy right. or with pea right or with some other ingredient yeah. you know or with stabilizers or whatever like using all the powers i have with yeah. like you know all science. these years of food research and yeah. science yeah. you go in and you say i'm going to like engineer out of a yeah. meat thing exactly and they do it pretty well yeah. and then you can do it with a lot of additives and you can do it without a lot of additives and there's a whole conversation for that but that's basically like i love a good hamburger but let's say today my cholesterol is at such a level where i cannot afford to eat a hamburger yeah. what do i do man right you can have you a can great have a tasting plant yeah. based meat burger yeah. and there's no compromise there in terms of taste you know yeah. it's that good I, now i i read the ingredient like panel for beyond meat which is a burger right and it's pea protein that they've made the little chunks that mimic like beef pea uh, and mung bean pea, pea and mung bean yeah. yeah and i know that the fat emulsifier in there is coconut, coconut oil. oil yeah i mean yeah so like literally using plant and plant products to mimic yeah. necessarily not i don't know just like mimic the taste and texture right it's yeah. not going to be meat no. but it just mimics it and you need yeah. to be conscious enough to know that you're not eating meat no. you're eating something that maybe feels and tastes, tastes like, like meat, meat right yeah. and so that's a, that's point number 2 right. which is plant based meat and then there's the third one which you were talking about which is test tubes right which is saying that no there's no plants involved here but there is no killing of animals involved either yeah i'm taking the cells of certain muscles right. from animals and trying to replicate those muscles in a bioreactor okay and that basically saying that you want to have meat that is has the structure of like a chicken breast great we will grow that entire thing in a massive bioreactor for you just like you know got it chicken that feels like tenderness of a chicken yeah. breast without killing an actual without chicken without killing an actual chicken without yeah. harming an actual chicken and so that is no compromise on the meat part of it like right. you know there's people who want to just have their chicken they yep. don't want to have the soya version of it or a pea version of it they want their chicken mm-hmm. and so then this guy is like you know that alternative yeah. i still don't know because there's not enough like empirical research out there on whether it's low in cholesterol whether like you know all the other things which like you know the meat is looked down upon for is not there but yeah. com- from a global warming and how much feed is required to produce food yeah uh, calculation which is what a lot of us are doing now which is basically like you know carbon labeling and water labeling of food which is saying that to produce 1 liter of milk you require 10000 liters of water but to right. produce 1 liter of oat milk you only require 800 liters of water right. so oat milk is better right right when you are doing that uh, or take the same example for meat that to get 1 kilo of chicken meat you need to feed about 3000 liters of water to the chicken yeah i like for for cell based meat yeah. it's it's closer to like 
1200 right so it's not like zero yeah. but it is much lesser comparatively exactly and that is again going back to how are we going to feed 10 billion people because we can't possibly factory farm for 10 billion people that involves at any point of time like you know 10x the animals yeah. uh, that need to be alive to 10x feed that. the feed and 10x the 100x the feed 100x the feed because yeah. you've got to get this guy the cow or the chicken or whatever to a certain stage it's not right. like they're born and, then and they're good yeah. no yeah. they're born they need you to feed them right. you right. give them water you take care of them right. you provide you know you so what is deforestation on a large scale it is mm-hmm. so that I can grow more feed to, because the forest does not produce enough so I need to produce soy and then season by season Corn. cut that soy yeah. and make that into like you know processed food which the cow can eat and so on and so forth and so that is not possible right if I could just take that feed that yeah. amount that you already cut down and everything and just make food directly for humans I can feed the same amount right yeah definitely right? definitely so so just think of it in that mathematics yeah. of it if I had to break it down very simply mm-hmm. that we cannot afford to make that much feed to feed our animals that we want to eat yeah the amount of carbon emissions just like in making food for animals is absolutely flabbergasting yeah Yeah. and it's not just the input that we have to give to these animals but uh, once the animal is has died or as the animal is growing older uh, you know uh, the amount of excreta etc etc that is just pumped into rivers and seas that sort of harms the biodiversity of that particular place then the disease that these animals carry being farmed so close to each other Mm -hmm. uh, the the different types of diseases we already know what uh, uh, an animal disease can do to the world right Right. so if we continue like this it's probably a pandemic is just going to be like an endemic you know it's just going to keep on having them right uh, which is not a good sign for any Mm -hmm. human being whatsoever Mm -hmm. Uh, but I just feel like okay so I understand plant-based meats and stuff like that it's just very a very personal opinion here Mm -hmm. that if the world really wanted to change uh, or we really wanted to do better for our future generation so that we can preserve mother earth we just I just feel like everybody needs to consciously decide that the human race from now on only eats plants Hmm. you know I'm not supporting a vegan diet I'm not a vegan myself but I am conscious enough of the future decision that I might have to make at some right. point, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just want to say that you need to be in love with the vegetables. You need to see the good part of vegetables, how they can be flavorful. Mm-hmm. Not all vegetables have to be mushy and bland and not taste good. Vegetables can taste absolutely smashing. Right. And that can only come with education. That can only come with practice for the entire human race of how we welcome vegetables into our diets completely instead of looking down on them or look at them as a side for your meat you know vegetables need to take center frame not just uh in households but even in restaurants even in grocery stores even uh, on your uh, cell phone you know on amazon etc the world's the world's best restaurant in 2017 11 madison park has gone completely plant-based Completely, completely plant-based since the pandemic. They suffered huge losses during the pandemic. Uh, a lot of their employees suffered because of all of the uh, situations. Mm-hmm. But since then, Chef Daniel Hum has made the conscious decision to have a three Michelin star experience for the guests, but completely plant-based. And there is no plant-based meat or an alternative in there. It's just plants presented to you in a completely different manner. That you, would, that you would expect from a three Michelin Lovely. star dinner. Lovely. Yeah, Lovely. so I, I just feel like, and I hope nobody like takes this as an opinion that's no. biased or anything like that. It's just as a chef, 
I know what vegetables can taste like. I've cooked enough vegetables to know what they what the potential is for them mm-hmm. to taste and the amount of manipulation that can go with them. Most definitely, yeah. and just to add that, like inherently, right? Right. Like, for both of us, yeah, we have the responsibility of feeding people in some way or the other. Right. You know, you're a chef. You're a recipe creator. Right. I am a product developer. Yeah. Our responsibility day in and day out is we develop things that work for the future. Right. And uh, just to know that, acknowledge that, and to be able to go in and do that every single day. Yeah. Uh, yes, we are blessed to be yes. able to do it and to have that motivation, right? Like, Definitely. it's so fun. Um, and just to that, right? Like, like you said, like, I'm not trying to preach. Like, to make you understand, I came across a blog the other day. And, you know, it was, it was supposed to be a vegan blog or a mm-hmm. sustainability blog. And the, the headline of it was some, the name of the brand. And then the first four lines, the four sentence it said, and this is paraphrase. There was like, uh, hey, vegan, uh, hey, vegan eating, uh, leather bag wearing, mm-hmm. no composting, but plastic free millennial. It's okay wow. for you to exist too. Right. And I think that's, that would be my like only thing to like, you know, just hear Listen and understand that it's okay if you're not a vegan. Yeah. Or, you know, you're, 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 you you buy a plastic bottle every day yes. to drink or, you know, whichever one. Don't be that hard on yourself. Yeah. But uh, know there are 14 million ways that you can make a difference. Exactly. And, and even choose just whichever one that works for you. The smallest step actually matters. Mm-hmm. The fact that you actually had the conscience to do a certain thing that you used to do differently. Now, differently is a very, very big thing. For somebody that eats meat seven days a week, to eating meat only thrice a week is a huge step and yeah. it's, it's great for the environment because even one person not eating meat on a daily basis mm-hmm. makes a huge difference for the entire supply chain and mother earth subsequently you know Most so the smallest steps matter the smallest thought counts mm-hmm. the fact that you didn't litter today and you put your plastic in, in a recycling bin that thought thought yeah. counts yeah. every little bit counts and now we've turned into Armchair envi- environmentalist. Armchair environmentalist, <laughs> ex gourmet gluttons. That's right. Yeah. But no, it all stems from food, right? Yeah. And so the one change that I would say that you can make is uh, a cabbage try karlo, mushroom khana yeah, try karlo. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Develop a taste for it. It's, it's fun, man. Inspired. It's, it's so great. Good. The best thing I've had yeah. in the last 20 days is seven different kinds of fatush salad. Yeah. And I kid you not, it was every single bit of it was like yeah. less than 10 ingredients <laughs> and it's all you need man you need to develop a taste basically so like train yourself train your brain train your palate to be able to appreciate something new is all Uh, that's my two cents on it your two cents on it were great and I hope that you've heard all the way up till here because you've got some knowledge about Dubai about Meghalaya about uh, plant-based meat, plant-forward meat, cell-based yep. meat. Yep. Hey, this is a lot of information, lot of information for a lot of you guys. But we thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week with another great episode of Gourmet Gluttons. That's Bye-bye. right. That's right. Bye-bye, guys. Thank you for listening in.